Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Design, Create, Inspire. Me, Bren Young. I am finally covering PDD. So if you've been following my ARE series, you have known that it's taken me quite a few months to record and get out each division. It hasn't taken me a few months to do it, but it's just taken me a while to like get in there and get it done. And especially with PDD, I think it's like getting in there and taking the exams. Like it's been a similar thing where I haven't wanted to sit down and actually look over all the material and dive back into it. I think once I passed the exams, I figured I would never look at them again, but here we are. And so I did it. I've been wanting to get it out for you for so long. So thank you for being patient. So before we dive into it, if you are watching this live or within the first few days it comes out, my Mind Over ARE course, my my group coaching course is officially open. So I only open it every once in a while because we work closely together for six weeks and it's group coaching. So there's an entire course behind it, but then we also meet every single week together on Zoom to chat, to talk about your specific needs, all that good stuff. So this new session is going to start June 6th. So I have the doors open now and people are getting in it. And because of that, and because I want to really keep it intimate, I am only keeping them the doors open until Friday, which is uh, the 27th, May 27th. It's going to be midnight. So technically that's May 28th, midnight Pacific time, which is 3 a.m. Eastern time. But I would love to meet more of you. I would love to work directly with you. So if you want to dive deep into mindset and how I can literally help you transform your ARE process, then get in the doors. I'm gonna put a link below It's going to have all the information in there. It's going to have all the details, all the questions you might have. If you have more questions, reach out to me. You can email me. You can DM me on Instagram and we can chat and I can hopefully answer anything. 
the stories that are coming out from past students are incredible and it just lights me up and I'm so excited about it. And so that could be you too. So get on in there. Let me know again if you have any questions. Link below all the details. If it is past the 28th and you didn't get a chance to get in, there will be the link below will still link you to a wait list. So if you are interested in it, but you didn't get a chance to get in this round, get on the wait list. I will probably have another session in the fall. So I'm probably I'm, I, I'm trying to figure all this out. I'm trying to map it out. But how it's looking now is I'm going to be doing it about quarterly. I'll be doing about four sessions a year. So definitely get in it if you have an exam coming up or if you are totally burned out and you haven't taken any exams and you want to get back in it then you want to get in the course so go to the link go sign up come talk to me i have some really awesome bonuses that are attached to this session which will be changing up each time so go look at what bonuses i'm offering if you want part of that get in there Okay, let's just get into PDD because obviously this is a beast. I always say that, but it is a beast of an exam. And here's the thing, congratulations, because this means you're either almost done, it means this is your last exam, or it's almost your last exam. And that is a huge accomplishment. Even if you've taken PDD six times, it's still a huge accomplishment to be studying for this exam, preparing and going in and taking it. So congratulations. Don't forget to congratulate yourself along the way because it is a big accomplishment. So the way I like to think about these exams, and you probably know by now, is they kind of start off like, I mean, they definitely follow the traje trajectory of a typical project. You know, you start off the project in programming and then pre-design and schematic and design development. Then you roll into construction documents and then you go into construction. So PDD is really, we're in the documents. We're in the construction documents. And the other way I like to think about it is going from macro to micro. So we uh, you know, in PA, we really looked at the overall concept, the site, the elements, the sustainability. Then we started going a little bit more micro in PPD and looking at more specific building elements, structures, um, you know, the different codes and, and analysis. Now we're getting really micro. Now we're going to want to know what the details are, what the joints are needed for whatever we need, what the mechanical systems are, the electrical systems, um, how we're going to be able to calculate or figure moment and shear and how that's going to affect our design, which, you know, in PPD, we wanted to make sure we knew what shear walls so that it, you know, we could determine where they needed to be and how that was going to affect our design. Well, now we're going so micro where it's, how is the curtain wall going to be connected and attached to that moment frame. So that is why there are six exams, which, you know, part of you is like, okay, can we consolidate this somehow, which I kind of think we can a little bit uh, with the pro practice ones, but I won't go into all that now. Um, but 
there's a reason why they do that. Because if you had to go from macro to micro and all those things on one exam, it's just too broad and too much to cover. So let's get detailed, start thinking about the details. The other good news is that everything you have studied up to this point is still important and is still in there. It's still in there, you can still tap into it even if you took PPD a year ago, it's still in there. So when you're when you're going through everything, you're going through your resources, things are going to sound you know familiar, but now it's time to dive a little bit deeper. So you have a lot of foundational knowledge now. Now we're going a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. It's also a great time for having experience in an office when you're going through stuff like the project manual, specifications, actual sets of documents, uh, because this, you know, you can look at all the resources but it's different when you're actually in a firm and you're looking at a set of construction drawings and flipping through it and and looking at the electrical plan and looking at um, you know the demo plan and actually referencing back and forth. So if you're in an office, I recommend getting your hands on a set of documents and just flipping through them. Just you know, and also nowadays so much is digital, so maybe it's a digital flip through. But getting familiar where things are, how that is set up, how um, you know the, the architecturals are first and then they go into this, the structural and how you can reference from one area to the next because that's going to be important. And the better you know that, the better you can understand how to work through a set of documents, the better you'll be prepared for the case studies because you can quickly flip through because you may have to go to one page that then references another page like a schedule and then you have to go find that schedule, reference that, that's going to give you your answer. So you need to have an understanding of how that roadmap of a set of drawings works. But let's just get into uh, each section like I typically do. That was kind of just like an overview, but let's just break it down. So we have 100 questions. We have 91 of those is scored. So that's a great thing to always remember is that not everyone is scored. So if you get that rogue question that's just like totally out of left field, don't take too much time trying to deal with it. Just choose an answer, move forward, and don't let it freak you out. Just think, okay, that was one of the nine rogue questions. <laughs> um, there's two case studies. And the number of case study items is between 16 and 20. So you can think of that, you know, that you may have one case study that only has, or that has 10, and then maybe a case study that only has six. So there's both. You get four hours and five minutes for this test, which it's a long test. Uh, the optional break duration is now 45 minutes, which is, wild to see because I believe it was only like five minutes for when I took it. I'm not sure. But the different sections of the exam. So we have section one, integration of building materials and systems. Section two, construction documentation. Three, project manual and specifications. Four, codes and regulations. And five, construction cost estimates. So that first section, integration of building systems and materials or building materials and systems. 
This is a huge chunk of this exam. It's 31 to 37 percent. So this is one where you're going to really, you know, the meat of it. It's also where you've, you know, been working towards for a long time. So it's not going to be all brand new stuff, but it's definitely stuff you're going to dive deeper into. So I'm just going to give you some of my bullet points, basically like some of my notes of things that make sure you're looking out for, um, make sure that you are, are including in your studying that helped me and that I've seen help other people. So one of those things is historic buildings. So we've seen historic buildings before. It's not our first rodeo, but now we're going to really have to understand what sort of details we can include or not include based on the historical significance of the building. Now, there may be a case where they're presenting something that isn't um, designated historical, but it's a very old building. And so that is something that you're going to want to understand what are the differences or the requirements for that. Is there a difference in requirements? Do you only have to do certain things if it's designated historical? So look into that a little bit. You're going to really need to understand, of course, anything that affects health and safety and welfare. And I've mentioned this in, in other videos, but anything like especially the elements like fire, wind, uh, earth. I mean, <laughs> I can tell you just the elements, but seriously, temperature, um, uh, ice, water is such a huge one because Water is honestly the thing that freaks me out the most because it can create a ton of damage and a lot of health issues with mold and whatnot. So think of that whenever you're thinking through a question like, OK, can how could this potentially affect the safety of this building and the health of this building or the occupants within this building? And how do I need to like mitigate for that? So something like condensation is a huge one. If we are not properly detailing our buildings and condensation gets in and we have open bat insulation, for example, all of that condensation is just sitting within those open cells and it's just turning into mold. And now anytime there is, you know, air or anything pushing through there, it's putting those mold spores into our body and into our building. And we hear that so often. We hear about mold health issues so often, especially in older buildings. And a lot of that has to do with moisture infiltration, getting into cavities and areas where it's not properly ventilated, it's not properly sealed, all that stuff. So there's actually especially with water, there's this combination that's really important between sealing it properly, but also ventilating it properly. So this is why in some details, you'll see things like air gaps because it allows air to properly filter through there to allow that condensation or water to dissipate rather than it sitting in there and being trapped. So, these are things that are really, really important for you to understand when you're going through the details and understanding why we're detailing it a certain way. And that's why for these exams, if you do understand really why we're detailing it, for example, like that air break, then you will be able to better understand what detail is needed. 
So don't forget anything that's affecting temperature and water, fire. So with temperature, things like insulation, how air moves and what different temperature of air moves. For example, how hot air works in a building versus cold air and how we need to facilitate towards that how the temperature is affected on the outside and the exterior of the building versus the interior and what that relationship looks like. So if you think of an exterior of a building and it's a hot temperature, so it's high, and then you have uh, the interior temperature and it's low. So in order for, what does that wall system look like? There's a bell curve, right? Or not a bell curve, a, a curve of the temperature going from that hot to the cold. And at what point in there does something like condensation happen? And how do we need to properly detail in order to deal with that? And one of the big things people talk about all the time that I definitely had to understand and something that still comes up in my day to day is that dew point and the vapor barriers. So where we can put our vapor barriers in our walls in order to protect from that condensation. So one rule of thumb that is an easy thing to remember and uh, you can use it is that it's always placed on the warm side of the insulation. So the vapor barrier and, and other some details are different according to the climate that they are placed in. So you can think of this as uh, you know a snow load is going or somewhere where it snows is going to create different loads on a roof, which is going to change up the structure. It's also going to change the foundation because you have frost lines, and so that's going to affect how the foundation moves down at that frost level. So the other thing that happens with that is if you are in a cold area, typically it's a lot hotter inside, right? Because you are, it's snowing outside, you have your internal temperature set at 72. So there's a really big differential between those spaces and you need to make sure that you are detailing it properly to account for that. Where in another place where it's say the desert, it's really hot outside, it's really cold inside, really cold comparatively. So insides maybe again, you know, 68 or 72 and then outside's 110. So there's still that really big difference. How do we detail for that? So things that you really wanna um, take into consideration. The other thing that goes into that with the thermal are things like thermal breaks. And what does that mean? So, and how does that look on a detail? And why do we do that? How? understand the understand the the actual physics of that thermal break and how um, if you have the best insulation possible but then you have a big break where metal is on metal then that heat or that cold is just coming right through there so we need to make sure there is either an air gap or an insulation or, or some sort of thermal break that is stopping that transference of heat or cold or temperature so these are all the things that you're going to want to have to, um, again, understand why we would want a thermal break. And then once you understand that why, then you can understand, oh, well, it's going to be here because that's where the temperature can sneak through. So that's all I always teach about. It's not necessarily memorizing, oh, thermal break equals definition. It's 
understanding why we need it and then so that if you're looking at a detail or creating a detail you can better uh, explain through visuals or through detail where that would need to be okay some other things that you're going to want to know are things again for so fire so a sprinkler building versus a non-sprinkler building and how that would affect your your design and how that changes first uh, according to occupancy, um, according to building type, material, all that good stuff. So again, we're always thinking life safety. So in terms of fire, in your mind, just think, okay, there's a fire. Well, I need to make sure I can exit the building safely. So egress, I need to make sure that there's proper things that could alert me if there is a fire. So smoke detector, detectors, fire detectors, what the differences of those are, and when one might be used in an occupancy versus another. Other things like uh, door systems, panic doors, uh, and even the latch systems. So, uh, you know, for example, residential, the if there is a door going into the garage to the habitable space, it has to have an auto latch system so that it cannot just be propped open. It has to automatically close when the uh, when it's gone through, passed through. Now this is because, and so if you just think the logic, instead of just memorizing, okay, garage latch, think of just the reason. Okay, well, if there's a fire in the garage and someone had just passed through and just forgot to close the door, just left it open, that fire can easily spread into the habitable space. And the goal is to prevent the spread of the fire from the unhabitable space into the habitable space. So you pass through it, it's auto latched. So automatically that door is closing behind you. It's fire rated. So there's a fire in the garage. Hopefully by the time it is aware that that's happening, something can be done so it's not spreading or at least then the building occupants can escape safely. So that also goes into window sizes. It, it, all this too goes into the code section down below, but I incorporated it here because it's part of the systems as well, because you have things like detectors um, and sprinkler systems and uh, mechanical systems, electrical systems that all go into this. Um, things like insulation, where is this required, why, how does this act on a system, even how to calculate the R value and the different R values of uh, different materials. So this is an important one too. What's the difference of the R value of metal versus wood versus you know, concrete and how that can affect our wall systems and how we can... Um, create the most optimal wall based on whatever those needs are. Some other things of understanding really the material properties um, and how material works. For example, like, you know, concrete and masonry, they're good in compression, but not in tension. So um, knowing that, so then if you are asked a specific question that would, would relate to that, you can, you can know, okay, well, you know, that concrete is gonna work really good if something is leaning on that and compressing it, but that thing's just gonna crack if it's if there's tension put on it. 
understanding that things like wood shrink and steel's ductile. So, so knowing that there is movement and making sure that we are detailing and designing in a way to allow that movement to prevent cracks and breaks and all that good stuff. So just understanding really the materiality that we would say, they would say all the time in, in school is really understanding the life of the material. What does a brick want to be? A brick wants to be a brick. How does that act? Oh, you know, wood wants to be wood. How does that act? And I, you know, there's been famous architects and Anne Rand talked about this in her uh, book, The Fountainhead. And, you know, I think Louis Kahn has talked about this before and Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright and all that stuff, but, but really understanding the material and its true nature and how that works. And that's something that's really exciting about this test. And I know it can be really overwhelming, but it's exciting because when you understand the physics and the science and uh, I guess physics and science are the same thing, but you know, the material properties and, and, and all this stuff, you become a better architect because you can get creative with how you're designing. You can get creative with how you're detailing. And so really understanding, you know, how steel works and how we can properly um, design for it, for example, can make really beautiful buildings because they're, properly intended. So that's one way to look at all of this when you're going through this exam is like, how exciting. Now I'm going to be an even better architect and I can get creative with how I'm designing because I understand how that material works or how I can uh, change up this wall assembly to have better insulation, but have, um, you know, better views and and how I can combine those two. So that's what being a great architect is all about. And this exam really helps you nail down all that kind of information. So it's an optimistic way to look at it. So if you go into the handbook, you can uh, detail out or they detail out what each objective is. So definitely make sure you're going into the ARE handbook and looking at that, which I'm sure at this point, you know that. I also in the blog, I just have some screenshots of the handbook so you can see it. But the objectives essentially are analyzing the integration of architectural systems and technologies to meet the project goals. Determine the size of mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems and components to meet project goals. Determine the size of structural systems to meet project goals. Integrate specialty systems such as acoustics, lighting, fire suppression, conveying, security, and communications to meet project goals. Determine how to detail the integration of multiple building systems and technologies and coordinate mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, and specialty systems and technologies. So that's a lot. That's why I always tell people like you work with a subcontractor who works on one trade like framing. And then you work with a general contractor who oversees all those different trades. But the architect is supposed to understand all those trades, understand the science and construction of all of those trades, but then also understand the electrical, the mechanical, the acoustics, the all this stuff like it's a 
it's a lot. And that's why these exams are so much to go through because it is a lot. It's also important to know you will never know everything. We have to know a lot about a lot. So don't expect to be perfect. Don't expect like, okay, shoot, I am totally ready for my exam, except I just don't think I'm going to be able to remember how to calculate the moment overturning on a beam. Okay, well, you know, you can't know everything. So just push that one off if that's the case. So give yourself grace. Section two is all about construction documentation. This is another really big part of the exam. It's 32 to 38%. So this one and the first section are really the bulk of what you're going to see. This one, you're, you're, and I mentioned this before, but you really want to have a clear understanding of how a set of construction documents is put together and where you can find what. So if someone has a question, an art, um, a, owner has a question, a contractor has a question, you will be able to know where to find it and where to direct it. And that's also with the case studies. You're going to be able to flip through that set of documents, which they might give you a huge set of documents, but don't read it all because you won't need to read it all, but you just need to know where to find certain information. Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. So ADA obviously is a really important thing that is going to be seen on here. You've seen it before, you know it. It's gonna be a lot of the basics, but you're gonna to need to understand ramp heights, um, clearances, uh, what do you call it? Conveying um, circulation clearances. You're gonna to have to understand ramp requirements, uh, different items like that. So just, you know, again, you've gone through ADA before, go through again, make sure you have a really good basic understanding, even like distances for approaching an opening or um, yeah, coming, yeah, approaching an opening where the latch goes, if it's a push, if it's a pull door and what the distance and, and bathroom requirements and all that good stuff. So have a good understanding of that. And now there's also going to be a lot of 
questions about details. So I've already mentioned this, but there, you know, details are going to be a big one on this. Things like vapor barrier locations, air gaps, connections, flashing, um, material properties, like I mentioned, curtain walls, R values, U factors, K factors, um, you know, understanding lighting details and and there's going to be a lot of questions on wall assemblies for things like fire separation and sound separation so understanding acoustic properties and fire properties is super important now i have heard that there are less big calculations on the exams ever since the whiteboard came on and let me know in the comments if you you have experienced this, but that has is what I've heard, which is exciting um, because I had some pretty detailed calculations when I took it, but I can imagine that maybe because you're not hand to paper anymore, they've and the questions are probably still on there, but maybe in a way that don't require as much calculation. So see what other people who have taken it since the whiteboard are saying see if that is uh, something that is coming up because that's good to know but i would still have like be prepared to really know the basics and um you know understand if a question comes up even if you don't necessarily need a full calculation but understand what they're asking so using practice questions for things like this were really helpful for me i liked designer hacks the way that they had their calculation questions was um, kind of like a basic way. So, but it was still helpful to like get an idea of what that might look like. And then Hyperfine did a really good job of, you know, their theirs is more like a workbook, which helped me be able to work through questions. And I had ones similar on the test that I saw in there. So I really liked Hyperfine for that as well. So some of the basic calculations that I would recommend understanding, knowing, but really understanding because you're gonna get some calculation, uh, you'll get some formulas on the exam, but you have to understand how to actually use that formula. So knowing how to calculate moment and shear, things like overturning moment, um, stabilizing moment, which is you know, kind of the same thing, how do certain forces act on a building? So, you know, what does that look like? And what are the calculations that may pop up for something like that? And another one that may you may see is the coefficient of expansion. So this is earlier when I was talking about wood, for example, how it can shrink. There is a formula that is needed to figure out how much a material is going to expand or shrink based on a specific temperature. So um, this is important in terms of detailing to, to factor in this expansion. So um, it, it really is just the change of length divided by the original length that, um, and then divided by the change in temperature. So I would recommend looking that up. So section two, I'll just go through really quick the objectives based on the handbook. Again, go into the handbook, read it more in detail, but we have to determine appropriate documentation of the building, determine appropriate documentation of site features, 
determine appropriate documentation of detailed building drawings within individual architectural systems, apply standards required to assemble a set of clear and coordinated construction documentation, and determine impact of project changes on documentation requirements and methods to communicate those changes to the owner and design team. All right, section three, we're almost there. Project manual and specifications. So this is 12 to 18%, so it's not as big, smaller, but I have to say the first time I took PDD, I didn't really study too hard the project manual and specifications. I kind of glossed over it because some of it I was like, well, what are they going to do? Actually ask me the numbers of certain specifications, like the areas for master spec. And so I kind of just glossed over it and I definitely didn't do well. I failed PDD the first time, but I definitely didn't do well in that area because there were more questions than I had expected. And they did actually ask some of those silly questions like what number is, you know, blah, blah, blah for concrete or something like that. It wasn't really like that, but you know what I mean? Like the answer was whatever division it was. So I don't usually recommend memorization, but I do recommend memorization, well, for things like ADA, it makes sense, but also for this. Obviously, don't memorize all the divisions of the master spec, but there's that the basic ones. I'd recommend creating some sort of story or some sort of um, way for you to remember what those basic divisions are. Um, the other thing is understanding what is in the project manual, what sort of things are contained in there and what is said, like what, who is responsible for what and what the project manual might hold to, you know, what the project manual might say for that. Um, Architects Handbook of Professional Practice is great for this. They have a, a section on it. Um, it is great for PDD actually. So in my resource guide, I have a breakdown of which chapters specifically are good from AHPP for this. So you can download that and look there, but I definitely do recommend it for this. And then it's also something that is helpful just being in a um, office and being able to look at those project manuals and specifications. So the three areas of the objectives are identify and prioritize components required to write, maintain, and refine project manu manual. Identify and prioritize components required to write, maintain, and refine project specifications and coordinate specifications with construction documentation. Okay, now codes and regulations eight to 14%, so similar to the project manual and uh, specifications, a little less. So this is definitely the, the smallest section of uh, PDD. So, you know, a lot of it is stuff that you know. Um, actually, I take that back, cost estimates is less than this, but it's, you know, one of the smallest parts. A lot of the codes and regulations we've been dealing with, we know, um, but really a lot of like the basics and again, always be thinking of safety and health. So something like minimum bedroom requirements, 
what are the what's the minimum to uh, properly have someone living in that space things like circulation and egress and fall protection so again you know if you have uh, fall protection how are we protecting the people and just think of it like that so we're going to determine adherence to building regulatory requirements for IBC at a detail level and determine adherence with specialty regulatory requirements again at a detail level. So IBC is an important one for this one. And uh, don't forget, we are in the detail level now. So we're gonna think micro. All right, last section, construction cost estimates. This is a small section, it's only two to 8%. So you're not gonna have a ton of questions, but you will have a couple. And what these questions might look like are um, possibly comparing two materials to each other. One is, uh, you know, material A is a certain amount, material B is a certain amount, and maybe you need less of material B, but it's quite a bit more expensive. And being able to do some simple math to determine based on how many square feet, which material would be most cost effective or which material you can substitute for that um yeah i mean it's pretty straightforward so you know the, the, another one i think there's some even like to export soil cost this much money and so it might not be material but it might be a uh, actual construction thing that's needed to like exporting soil and understanding whether that is a good choice for the design or not. So again, it's kind of simple math at that point, but just make sure you're really reading it properly. Don't forget units. If they ask you something in feet, the answer is in yards. Don't forget to convert it and make sure you are giving the right answer in the right units. That's a really important one. Okay. So those are the different sections. So super exciting. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to give you some extra little tips that I have. I have written down again, the IBC chapters. These I harped on during PPD. You're going to want to know them again. You need to know your occupancy types. You need to know what type of fire separation is going to be needed between occupancy types. You have to know that stuff um, again. I harped on that for PPD, so you probably are familiar with it. Just go over it again. The chapters for IBC that you're really gonna wanna know, wanna look at three, five, six, seven, nine, 10, 11, and 29. Three, five, six, seven, nine, 10, 11, 29. And, you know, again, historic buildings, ADA, one little quick thing that you can remember is one PSI raises 2.3 feet. Or if you think of it opposite wise, 0.433 loss per foot elevation. So that was just like a, a little thing that you wanna keep in mind during this. So don't forget, I've said this a thousand times, but I'm gonna say it again. When you're reading your question, first of all, take out the fluff, take out any filler words or filler nonsense that literally has nothing to do with what they're trying to ask. 
and look behind the question. Look at what they're really trying to get at. Look at really what they're trying to understand, not what they're trying to understand. Look at what they're really trying to ask. And sometimes if you look at a question and you're having a hard time being able to really tap into that, look at the answers. Because sometimes the answers will give you a better idea of what the question is asking. So don't forget to do that. Don't forget, not every exam is the same. So if you get the exam from hell, don't stress about it. You might still pass. Don't let it freak you out if like the first five questions you have no idea what it's asking. It happens. And know that if you don't pass the first time, that's okay. You'll get to go in there and take it again. And it might be a test that feels totally easier. So a lot of times that first fail can really uh, paralyze us from going and taking it again. But just know that either it's going to be the same test, so you've already done it and you're going to do great, or it might be a different test and it might be easier and you're going to do great. So all is good. The other thing, don't forget when you're going through it in the back of your mind, think, how is this affecting the health, the safety, and the welfare of the general public? And what sort of detail or need is needed in order to protect that? Because that is the goal, and that's what we're trying to always keep in mind when we are answering our questions. You know, sometimes it won't. I mean, if you're calculating like a lighting thing, I mean, I guess that could be helping the environment, but I don't know. You know, sometimes obviously it's not going to be totally pertinent, but for the most part, just keep that in mind and hopefully that can help at least, you know, gear you to, towards the right question answer. Okay, did we do it? Are we here? Are we done? Let's see. I uh, just want to look through my notes real quick. You know, I have my typical study tips of the books that I recommend. I love, you know, Ballas ARE manual. I feel like that is a good one. Um, you know, Architect Studio Companion, the heating, cooling, and lighting, uh, Architect uh, Graphic Standards, Building Codes, Illustrated. All those are really good for this one. I'm not going to go through all that right now. That's boring. Go download my resource guide. You can also check back on the blog where I have more of like, you know, those notes, but those aren't as fun. Um, so how are you feeling? Are you feeling good? I think it's an exciting time. Be super excited because this might be your last exam and then you might go in and take it and be done. That's so exciting. It might be your close to last exam. So whatever it is, celebrate it. It's exciting. I hope you do amazing. If you're feeling completely burned out, you're feeling lost, you're feeling unmotivated, you're feeling like, I don't want to get in there and even take this because I hate this process. I'm not optimistic about it and I want to crawl in a hole and hide. Then you have to join Mind Over ARE so I can support you and we can work together and get you excited about these exams and passionate about it and become a licensed architect because that's the goal, right? All right, I hope you have a wonderful day. 
If you want to take a couple seconds to go give me five stars on Apple Podcasts, I would be more than grateful. And a little, uh, you know, simple subscribe on YouTube, help show your support. Other than that, I will see you soon. Happy testing. Bye.